<laughs> oh, man. Boy, I'm sure lucky that I'm not in the air. Just uh, think that uh, if, uh, if I didn't know, you know, who knows? <laughs> if I was on the air, I might say... You mean I was on the air? Oh, wow. Oh, my God, we're in trouble now. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, wow. I read to you a very official letter which I received. It says, Shepard, it had to happen. It actually did. An official English course in my high school a credit course is called Gene Shepherd's America. And he sent me the, uh, the school electoral list and the, you know, the list of uh, subjects that are taught in English. And there it is. By God. <laughs> and where is this high school? Well, it's in Lake Mohegan, New York. And I presume it's uh, Peekskill High School. No, it's, no, it's Lakeland High School. Lakeland High School in Shrub Oak, New York. And the course is taught in period 10. I don't know what time of day that is, but uh, to give you an idea what times, how their times work, period 8 is 12.31 to 1.12 in the afternoon, so it must be sometime in the afternoon. Period 10 is taught in room 138 by a Mr. McKenna. It's Gene Shepherd's America, and it's in fourth quarter English courses at Lakeland High School in uh, Shrub Oak, New York. And the kid goes on, he says, uh, Shepherd, he said, I volunteered to write and ask you officially if you would be able to give the Blue Book examination at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, I don't know, you know. It's, uh, I'm very embarrassed. I, I'm, I'm just, uh, can you imagine some kid flunking Gene Shepherd's America? Yes, I can imagine it. <laughs> Me, yeah. <laughs> I would love to come there, you know, incognito. I was saying, I, I get myself this, uh, this, uh, you know, I get this, this, this high school suit and everything, and I, I grow a giant beard. If you grow enough beard and hair, you can pass in any class. I actually, you know, I get myself a giant, you know, big wig type thing. Saying I got an enormous beard, and uh, I come in as an exchange student, you know, or, or a transfer student, see, from. Uh, Pitcairn, Pennsylvania, and I enroll in Gene Shepherd's America. I'd love to monitor that class. They, they get up and, and you know make snide remarks. Oh, that's a oh, what a bunch of punk that is! Right, right. I'm going to smack down again. And then at the end, of course, flunk my own course because I could not identify who Uncle Carl is, whether it was Uncle Carl or Uncle Tom that was the bootlegger. And what is the significance of Uncle Carl's false teeth? And uh, what does this bear upon the total? Oh, man, you know. <laughs> and I knew it had to come. So uh, would you uh, just hold that in vain, sir? Hold that ad there. I, I, a lot of things are in the wind now. I, I just see that there's changes coming along everywhere we go that uh, Shepard has taught. And by the way, you know what uh, another course they have in that school? This is an uh, unbelievably hip school. Uh, very interesting school. Another course. These are all fourth-quarter English courses. Another course is in... Uh, well, Mad Magazine. Mad Magazine as literature. It's taught uh, the eighth period, 
It's in room 131 and taught by a Mr. Scott. Mad Magazine. Uh, there's a, they also have an entire, uh, an entire section, one whole class devoted to John Steinbeck. Very interesting. Uh, Steinbeck, 223, his room is. He's taught in uh, the 11th period by a person named Powers. So I'm right there, you know. Right, right there with the official guys, my God. I'll tell you, but things are changing. You know, when they, when they study Mad Magazine officially in school, I think this is a step... I don't know whether it's a step downward or forward. I don't know, but there it is. It's a step, and certainly it, it can involve you. But, you know, it, things are changing uh, in, in a lot of curious ways. For, for example, today, I, oh, I've been in training. Would you please give me a little echo chamber? Oh! not a casual sound. You know what that's the sound of? Let me do it again. Show you I can do it again. It's not a fluke. That is a memorable sound, isn't it? Now that is of competition quality, too. Now, what competition is it for? You know, one of the fastest-growing sports in America is the sport of hollering. I mean, serious competition hollering. And it's called hollering. It's not called yelling or shouting. <laughs> it's called hollering. And uh, for those of you who had a chance to, to read about it, in fact, it's getting so official that recently Sports Illustrated did a whole story on hollering as, the, as a growing, tremendous sport. And uh, the, the reason you look confused about it, Ed, is probably you didn't live in a state where they did any of it. No, it's not hog calling. Don't confuse it with hog calling. Hog calling is hog calling. Hollering is hollering. Now, they both involve the voice. Well, let's face it, the, the Metropolitan Opera involves the voice. And uh, <laughs> so does uh, a comic involved with not the same business. Hog calling is for calling hogs. And have you ever heard a, a, a good hog caller go? Well, a hog caller is especially good. Chewy, 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 chewy. That's hog calling, right? See, that's a, a specific sound that seems to draw hogs. But what I'm doing now is official competition hollering, and you probably will never hear this in, in New York City, but it's, it's being done by great competitors all over the country. I will show you the sound again. You'll notice it has several notes and will hit several frequencies and grows in intensity. And it's all a matter of timing and beat, and it's a matter of, of endurance and, and uh, training your lung power. Listen to this now. Now, the, the, the standard criterion of a holler is how far you can hear it. And a great hollerer can be heard for amazing distances. Do you know that there, there are 
there are legendary hollerers in, in Africa, Central Africa, that they claim, now this is a claim, it's, uh, it's one of those possibly apocryphal, although it's conceivably tr true, that they claim that some hollerers can be heard for over 20 miles. That's the human voice. That's right. And, and, and it's, it's not a matter of just simply being loud. That, that isn't, the, isn't the real answer to it. It's, it's to be able to control specific frequencies and use the terrain. So if you're in an area where, where a certain frequency will resonate in, in a certain way and travel over the ground or the water in a certain way, you become a great hollerer. <laughs> and, and, and they can hear you over 20 miles. And it's actually used for communications. Great hollering. And uh, I'll, I'll have to give Sports Illustrated credit because they brought it to, you know, they read it. You want to hear what, what they say about it? All right, listen. This is from uh, Sports Illustrated, written by a, a writer named Harold Peterson. And before we do this, let's do a spot here. I have a spot. Uh, if you have any problems with your skin these days, and a lot of people have that hang-up, and believe me, it's not funny if you do, uh, there is a new technique called Zip Kit. It's a complete kit. It contains three different types of products created by Dermacon Laboratories for troubled skins. Now, they have three proven medicines in one, one acne kit, and uh, if you have all types of skin problems. The three different uh, ingredients of this, they have Dermacon Skin Cleanser, which you clean your face with often, and you apply Dermacon Medicated Lotion during the day, just leave it on during the day to dry out uh, various problems. And then at night, you apply Dermacon medicated cream. So all night while you sleep, it uh, does its business while you're off in uh, Betty by. The Zip Kit contains no harsh peeling agents. It's a gentle, round-the-clock care to clean up and clear troubled skin. Specialized medicine. So if you or someone in your family has blemished skin problems, buy a Zip Kit and give it a 30-day trial. It costs less than a quarter a day to try, and you'll see the difference. So Zip Kit is the name of it, Zip Kit, and it's made by Dermacon, and it's, uh, you can buy it at Genovese, Whelan, Whelan rather, Genovese, Whelan, Mac, Drug Guild, and other leading pharmacies. It's Dermacon. Huffman Coos begins their big Memorial Day sale tomorrow, so you'll be able to get in Huffman Coos' famous Memorial Day furniture bargains before Memorial Day. And what bargains? You'll be able to buy luxury famous make mattresses or box springs, Twin or full size for only $55 each. There's a luxury rosewood and champagne velvet sofa going for only $299. You buy mill trials of nationally advertised pile carpeting for $10.95 a square yard. A big queen-size sofa bed is going for $299. There are bargains in summer furniture, too. A three-piece redwood picnic table plus two benches is only $59. A wrought iron, a white mesh three-piece patio set is only $129. Huffman Coos' gigantic Memorial Day sale is being held at every one of Huffman Coos' 13 fine furniture stores in New Jersey and Nanuet, New York. Open every day from 9.30 to 9.30, Saturday till 6. Call 201-343-4300 for the location of the nearest Huffman Coos' Memorial Day sale. Okay, now I want to tell you about this, this hollering thing because it's, it, I predict it ultimately... <laughs> Uh, it's one of the one of the few sports you can you can take part in without buying any equipment. I mean, and it's also a sport that you either got it or you ain't. And another thing about this great sport 
is that size is no criterion. Some of the greatest hollerers have been little people. So just because a guy's six feet nine doesn't mean he's a fantastic holler. He may have his voice is totally wrong. It's a too, too a squeaky or something like that. Some of the greatest hollerers, in fact, the championship hollerer of 1968 was five feet three and weighed 105 pounds and was an incredible hollerer. Retired undefeated in 1969 and is now a pro and giving lessons. <laughs> yes, you can go and take lessons. I'm not kidding. All right, listen. Uh, any hogs that might have showed up at the third annual national, it's actually the international, hollering contest at Spivy's Corner, North Carolina. And that, by the way, Spivy's Corner is the Vatican of hollerers. It's the, uh, it's the Augusta uh, National of hollerers. When, you, when you're invited to appear at Spivy's Corner, uh, it's like, you know, that's like being, getting the call from Munich to go to the Olympics. You know, you're on your way. This is WOR New York, speaking of hollering. All right, you uh, Chinese food cuckoos, have you tried the Great Shanghai? Let me tell you, if you haven't, you might have missed out on some of the most fantastic Chinese food in all of New York. Few, very few, and I, I'll tell you this absolutely straight from the shoulder, very few restaurants in New York have kitchens large enough to accommodate the number of chefs from all the different regions of China that they have in the Great Shanghai. They come from Cantonese, northeastern China, Setsuan, all over the whole area there, and you can have food from all these different areas of China in the Great Shanghai. Fantastic menu. You won't believe the menu. And I would like to suggest you try the Great Shanghai Sunday brunch. It is really great. They serve it from 11 to 4 Sunday. All you can eat for two seventy-five. It's a buffet. And children under four feet tall are a buck and a half. That's the Great Shanghai Broadway at 103rd, and there's an IRT station right there. The Great Shanghai Broadway at 103rd Street. It is good. I love Newsday Sunday Magazine. It's really great to get the scores of Saturday night games. The pull-out TV book covers the whole week. Now we don't have to buy one. And the comics are super. On Madison Avenue, these are known as testimonials. On Long Island, they're music to our ears. I'm Bill Atwood, publisher of Newsday, the Long Island newspaper. We started Sunday Newsday in April, and we're not at all surprised that it's a smashing success. After all, Newsday is one of the great success stories in publishing history, and Sunday Newsday is following that tradition. You've been telling us how much you like the new bonus sections, especially the pull-out TV book with the entire week's listings, an L.I., our own color magazine, Newsday's late sports results, and exclusive stock tables are also popular. And so is the price, only 25 cents. Sunday Newsday, we're very glad you like it. Listen, i got a wild spot now, and I'm going to make a prediction. <laughs> uh, I think this is the beginning of, an, of a whole new trend. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. I don't want the, anybody to misunderstand what I'm about to say. Uh, I think about five years ago, I predicted eventually there would be X-rated cartoons. I'm talking about cartoons in the movies, X-rated cartoons. Well, at last, there is an X-rated cartoon, and it's far more than just, you know, the X rating and so forth, which is it's pretty wild. But uh, I happen to know a couple of the guys involved in making it, and they're very clever and, in fact, in many ways, uh, uh, diabolically clever people. And uh, I would just like to recommend that if you are an adult-type person, you really want to have a curious movie experience. Again, I'm, I'm saying this with... Uh, with uh, all considerations full-flying, 
see Fritz the cat. Fritz the cat. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll recommend that you read about it in New York Magazine. Judith Christ, you'll let you learn more about it. It's not just a plain, ordinary X-rated cartoon. That's Fritz the cat. And remember, I warned you, it is X-rated. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at Spivvy's Corner, it was fantastic. It says, uh, uh, this hollering is a cross between an Indian war cry and sweet country singing sustained in a long, full-volume blast akin to a yodel, a yodel. Now, did you notice that's very much the way I did it there? Because I'm, I'm patterning it. Well, I'm not in, inventing it. I'm patterning, patterning the, yo, the, uh, the yell that you heard, the, the holler, on great hollers that I have personally actually heard. Now, do you want to hear it again, or do you want me to wait a little bit and, and lay it on you later? It's a nerve-wracking sound. <laughs> All right, I'll show you how it's done. Okay, uh, you, you've got to sustain the note, and as, as he as he pointed out in his copy, it's the, it's a kind of a cross between a yodel and the sound of country singing. They're both in there, and you know, of course, that the yodel. You know what the yodeling is. You know what uh, Swiss yodeling is. Well, yodeling was originally a form of communication, so that one guy on one mountain could communicate with another guy on, an, on another mountain, and they found that the voice could carry better when it was modulated that way. Instead of a single note, the voice carries better when it's modulated in specific ways, in other words, changed in specific ways, and that's what caused the yodel, which is a yodel sound. And I will give you the sound now of a classic flat country yodeler, and sometimes this yodel is also used in mountains, but it's a, it has tremendous carrying power. tell you when that's when you lay that back it can be heard for miles literally miles and people will know you're there man and that's a classical holler it says uh i'll, I'll uh, it's a revival of an old eastern carolina custom prevailing long before telephone poles marched down every sandy tidewater and clay piedmont lane those were the days way back of mules and wagons instead of tractors and automobiles. The land was silent. Imagine us. It's hard to believe that at one time our land was a silent land. The land was silent. Absolutely silent, except for the natural sounds of wind and birds, and almost lonesome. The loudest noise was the sound of the human voice. Isolated on his 40 acres, a mile or two removed from the nearest neighbor, a farmer after returning from his fields and milking his cows at dusk, would let out a distinctive holler, he had his own holler, to let his neighbors know that uh, all was well and he'd finished another day. It's the way people kept in touch with each other. Answering hollers would come back across the creek bottoms and across the tobacco fields. The farmer would enter his cabin, trim his kerosene lamp, and read a chapter of maybe Deuteronomy before bedtime with his world secure around them. He had contacted all his neighbors. If the farmer should happen to be late coming home from his weekly trip to town, he had a special holler to let his wife know that it was time to put the supper on the cook stove. Should sickness strike and the wagon be broken, there was another kind of holler that signaled the emergency. 
A dreadful sound it was, too, said Ermin Godwin, Jr., the gentle-mannered, platinum-haired banker who has, in a way, in a manner of speaking, brought back the holler. Godwin and a dun North Carolina radio man named John Thomas have a weekly program called Let's Talk. One day, Godwin chanced to mention the, co- the custom of hollering. Thomas jokingly suggested a contest. Inspirations like that come on you all in a minute, Thomas says. Usually you forget them in a minute, too. But from then on, the contest idea spread like whooping cough. People, yeah, oh yeah, they, it apparently, it is apparent now that for years, the athletes of the epiglottis, the Olympians of the larynx, had been ignored unsoundly. A nation nobody had thought gave a hoot about hollering, remied an oversight that cried aloud for correction. Four to 5,000 people showed up for the first contest in 1969 and stood in 100-degree heat for hours. The winner, overall, red-burnt Dewey Jackson. <laughs> and by the way, he got on TV and received a call from President Nixon. <laughs> After his great holler. <laughs> by the second year, people were coming for, from distant states. Old-time hollering was reported from points as widespread as Alabama, Massachusetts, and Michigan. The Voice of America, which broadcast the event overseas, received 400 letters from foreign countries. As a result, an international division had to be added this year. Recorded entries from India, Burma, Austria, Ecuador, Czechoslovakia, Nigeria, and by the way, it was a Nigerian who was acclaimed the winner. He demonstrated hollers to locate hunters in the bush, to call women together for gossip, for shopping, to summon youngsters to sweep the village square or fetch water, to announce a death or to warn a thief, to warn that there was a thief loose. And national interest was booming. Indiana, of course, I, I used to hear it in Indiana. Indiana held an elimination to select a Hoosier hollerer and flew the winner to Spivy's Corners. Martha Mitchell had her secretary check hotel accommodations in Dunn before finally declining. <laughs> All sorts of hollers were rediscovered. River boatmen on the Mississippi have a particular set. Possum hunters used one kind to signal their dogs, and fox hunters needed another kind. Farm wives summoned the clan for dinner, and they had a special call. Moonshiners still do use them, by the way, and this is where I've heard them most recently. I actually heard them. You know, I used to live in Kentucky a few years back, and uh, you go down to the uh, down to the Kentucky hills in certain areas down there, and you can hear them, and they have a whole vocabulary. In other words, you'll you'll be driving along, and if you if you if you're there quietly long enough, you'll hear this curious sound up in the hills. It's just a strange sound. All of a sudden, you hear something go like this. of a bird is that? Well, that is a specific sound, which means bring more sugar up. We're running low on sugar up here. This is a moonshiner. Now, <laughs> that's all it means. We need more sugar. Or or you may hear you may hear a sound that goes like this. That means somebody just drove up the gravel road. I don't know who he is, so look out. <laughs> now, I'm just they have their own private codes, but I'm just creating a code here. But that's the way it works. And you actually hear this. You hear this sound off of it. You wonder what the hell that is. And then occasionally you'll hear somebody, they'll call a name, you see. They'll use a name, but they, they, they'll call it like this. The, the name will not be called in the, in the ordinary way. So if somebody wants to call a guy, and the guy may be two miles away, 
and you don't have any walkie-talkies, no uh, telephones or anything like that. And the guy's way up in the mountains there, and he's cooking away at the still, and he wants his friend to come for some reason or other. You'll hear him holler like this. He just called Luke. And, uh, and and it just floats out. out. That means that there's a call for Luke out now. And occasionally you'll even hear him repeat it. Now, that's a side of America that very few people know about. You know, people live in this area. And and the Greek hollerers are, are really, uh, really fantastic. I mean, they, they, they are incredible stories about them. Now, do you want to hear more about, out about it? All right. Uh, for some reason, uh, there, there's a background on it. You know, the, the rebel yell. Uh, the biggest part of hollering, the, the chief Goodwin says, he's sort of a big deal, uh, was the pleasure of it. It's fun to make a big noise on a still summer morning, you know, just to see how far it would carry. It's also great to holler to relieve tension. And I would suggest you try this yourself, friend. You'd be surprised how much a good two or three minute long holler lets out. <laughs> you just stand on the beach one time and yell. Just yell. I mean, you'd be amazed at, at, at what a great uh, feeling it is, you know, because most people don't ever really use their voice. You know, your voice is constantly uh, just a thing that you use very partially. And many people have never even opened their voice up totally, even as kids. It's like a lot of people have never run as fast as they can actually run as a human being. It's a great feeling once in a while. But, but the voice is something that hardly anyone thinks about using as, a, as an instrument, say. And so if you stand on the, on the shore of the ocean and you just aim it out over the water... And just yell, but don't don't just open your mouth and yell. Put some form to it, you know. Put some put some form to it. Uh, the rebel yell. Did you ever hear a rebel yell? You know what the classical rebel yell that was used during the Civil War. Uh, Godwin goes on to say that's what the rebel yell was for. It was not to scare the enemy, which many people think it was used for. The rebel yell was to relieve the soldiers' feelings as they went into battle. They were, they were tense and scared. And so when they would go running forward, this yell, you know what it went, what it sounded like? The wild, uh, wailing sound. And uh, even to this day, there's songs about that curious rebel yell. Did you know there's a whiskey named after it? You ever seen rebel yell whiskey? <laughs> you won't, north of the Mason-Dixon line. But it's a classical whiskey. Well, so for some reason, the Spivvy's Corner Hollering Contest sprouted uh, associated uh, costumes and competitions such as the Possum Beauty Contest and so forth. But uh, nevertheless, uh, hollering uh, is, is judged by how far you can hear them. And they, uh, what they do is, is, uh, is put judges. So a judge will be in the next county. If you can reach the next county from where you're, where you're hollering, you're already in competition class. And, and if, if you can be heard one county over, man, you're ready for the world title. You're, you're working up there. And that's actually the way they do it. So you, you, are, you are given a specific time to holler, you see. So this is how they judge. And, and uh, at, at 131, you're supposed to let out your holler. So at 131, the judge gives you the sign, and you take your holler. You move, you move out to the center circle. That's the way it's actually done. And you... you you tilt your head back, and you try to get the wind. <laughs> That's another thing. The wind will carry you the sound, you say. So if, you're, if, you're, if, it's a, if it's a cloudless day and there is no wind, you can aim your holler high. 
You got it? So it's not going it, it, then you get you get trajectory. <laughs> now if on the other hand you are facing into the wind, it is just like a golf shot. Keep your holler low. Aim it directly almost almost on head, uh, head to head. Aim it low. And now if on the other hand you're you're uh, say say there's a quartering wind and you want to you want to hear the guy wants to hear you way out there someplace and the wind is coming in say at a 30 degree angle play the angle aim your aim your holler slightly to the right or to the left of him because the wind will carry it that way did you know that wind carries sound the way it carries well i mean it actually curves sound because stop and think about it for a minute sound is the movement of molecules of air one against the other well, of course, if there's a steady wind blowing, those molecules are moving. So as each molecule hits the next molecule, it, it winds up on a curve that coordinates itself with the wind. So, so the sound is carried just like a golf shot. Your, your, your voice will go, you know, curving off, and you get a slice on it. <laughs> All the, the real hollerers have made a real study. They'll go on, they'll look at the wind, you know, and they'll put their finger up, and, and they'll wet their thumb to see which way the wind is coming, and they'll... They'll throw a blade of grass up there. Oh, these guys are really serious. And then at the point when they when they start to holler, they they set their feet. You got to have a real solid basis on the ground. They set their feet. See? And the guy usually opens his shoulder, opens his shirt. That's very important, as you can see. He rips his shirt open, you know. And he usually throws his arms way back. And then he aims his holler at the direction he wants it to go into. See, he's taking into account wind trajectory. He's taking into account density, altitude, the whole bit, see. And way off in the distance, like uh, like three or four miles away, across the county line, there are judges waiting. And uh, they know that exactly 131, contestant number 428, is going to holler. Now, if they hear him, they immediately mark down, heard. And, and there are judges that are in line. They go out there, see. And the furthest away judge that actually hears your call... Of course, that's your shot. That's how far you went. That's your score. And so he plants his feet, and the crowd is waiting. It's thousands of people. And many of them have tape recorders, by the way, because uh, it's just like people who show up uh, to watch the uh, the Masters. They come with their cameras. They want to take a picture of Jack Nicklaus and, <laughs> you know, walking around. So they show up with their tape recorders because they want to record these great, the fantastic, legendary hollerers. And they stand in the middle of a circle. The judge gets on the PA system. And now we are going to hear from Big Ed Hopnoodle. Comes to us from Rushville, Indiana. Ed was runner-up last year in the Indiana Hollering Contest with a score of 147 points and three quarters. Ed comes to us today from Rushville, Indiana, just after his great victory at the Indiana Lake County Fair, which he was acclaimed the chief and the best hollerer of the state of Indiana. Now here he is, the champion of Indiana, Big Ed Hopnoodle. And he walks out and he looks at the crowd. They all know who he is. And he's big. And remember, the first year they had a crowd of 8,000. So you can imagine what it's like now in 72 when it gets on. You know, it's going to get on the wide, wide world of sport. And Howard Cosell will be in there in a the whole bit pretty soon. By the way, he'd make a pretty good one himself. And so <laughs> he's got all the natural attributes. And so <laughs> when, when the, the hollerer waits and he's, he watches the clock, see, and then, then they start counting down. That's the one, you know, eight, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, and bap, he hits that thing, the red light goes on, he tilts his head back, and his neck starts to bulge out. His eyeballs pop, and what? 
than three tries. He takes another deep breath. It's just like a miler. His last one, he throws everything. You know, it's not going to be another contest the next year. You go all out. You know, it's, you, either you take all the marbles, you don't in this business. And now he leans back, <laughs> and oftentimes he'll take a swig of something that he carries with him. And I can assure you, it ain't it ain't fresca. He takes a swig of this stuff. He spits on the ground to get red. You hear whack whack. The crowd is by now in a big uproar, see, because they don't know whether he's been heard out there in the next county. And then he leans back, and he lets go his number one, his his total final shot. <laughs> and he collapses. They literally collapse right on the ground. <laughs> It sounds like I'm, 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 I'm exaggerating, but they don't. If you've ever tried to holler like that, full blast, man, you, you just blow your, you know, you blow your gizzard out your ears. Well, a real holler goes all out. You see these guys, they look like a toad that's been, you know, stomped on toad frog, you know. His eyeballs are bugging. And it's amazing to watch one of these guys. They'll puff up. Now, that's another thing. You take an ordinary-looking guy. See, he walks out there, and he stands in a circle, and they start getting it. They start gulping in the air. They go... They get this air, see, and they, they work it up. Uh, the guy will work it up like a, like a, almost like a runner. You've seen runners waiting for the, for the gun. They'll, they'll move back and forth and trying to get a beat and a rhythm. Well, the, the guy will, will start gulping air. He goes... And he starts gulping. You can hear him in the crowd. It gets very exciting. And then he's waiting, and right at the point... over backwards. <laughs> oh. Now, now of course, uh, now that's the pure power. They call that power yodeling. That's called power hollering. Now, there, there is, the, is the musical department, and, and this is a completely different uh, category of competition. Now, what I was giving you there was the distance. Now, these are the big timers. This is distance. They're aiming at distance, and that's the only criterion, is how far you can get that shot out. And when the, when the results come back, it's fantastic. The people cheer. They carry the guy around. He gets the big silver cup, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a big, a real, a genuine hero. Now, there is the musical division. Now, that's a very interesting division. It's uh, totally aesthetics. And so he has to retain, of course. He's not singing because... He has to retain the basic premise of yodeling, or, or hollering, rather, which is communication. Now, that means that he has to be heard over a long distance, but the, the standards are different. He's not going to be heard in the next county like the other guy. But he, he has to be able to get beauty of tone and quality and originality. And so they're judged on the musical. And the musical ones will sound something like this. <laughs> Musical yodel, see. 
you see the difference. Uh, then you'll find guys that will go over, over almost the whole chromatic scale. They'll start out like this. Incidentally, the, the, the sound that you hear of the echo chamber here is, is authentic, too, because they use an echo. Now, they don't use a mechanical echo the way we have it here. What they use, of course, is, is the natural echo of the terrain. And all of these contests are held in an area where that is part of the natural terrain. And so for this reason, yodeling, of course, comes from the mountains of, of, uh, of Switzerland and, and uh, the Highland Yells is another thing. And they use the, the actual echo chamber. So if you think I'm faking it, you say, well, you know, the guy's got an echo chamber, and that's what it sounds like. You know, he's faking it. No, the echo chamber is an integral part of the, of the technique of yodeling. There's another little story here. It says Bill Dennis, the holler and Hoosier from Westfield, Indiana. Listen to the story. How they get into the racket. It says... Bill Dennis, the uh, Hollerman Hoosier, he's called, the Hollerman Hoosier Barber from Westfield, Indiana, told the Carolinians how he got into the racket, and here's how he started. So you see, almost all Hollerman has a basis in uh, function. In other words, you want to, you, you have to, a message that you want to carry out, see? So, so here's the barber. He says, I ran a one-chair barber shop, Dennis said, with only enough room for four people to wait. He said, I took the stepping outside when the shop emptied and given a holler like this. And he would holler. <laughs> he says, that was the signal for anybody who needed a haircut to come running. He said, I was ready. I had a chair open. I was ready to take somebody on. He says, when the place was filled, I'd holler out another signal like this. You see, it was a descendo. It comes down the scale. And he says, that meant don't show up. I'm filled up. Forget it. He said, pretty soon I was known all over Hamilton County, Indiana, as Bill, the hollering barber. He said, well, people come from miles around. He said, I made so much money because people love to come to my barbershop and hear me holler that I built a, a nice new barbershop. And then I did, I, you know, I said the barbershop was so big I had to quit hollering. He said, I didn't need to do it anymore. <laughs> he says, then a storm knocked out the fire siren one night in, in town, and he said, they came rushing to my house, and they enlisted my, ha my help. We did not have a fire siren. He says, I'd step out of the shop whenever they called me on the phone, said there's a fire. See, they had a volunteer fire department. And he said, I'd step right out in the main street, outside of my shop, and I'd do this. the town council got upset because so many people were calling in false alarms just to hear me holler. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, it says, but the crowd's true affection was reserved for the genuine old hollerers. Ezra Edwards, E.B. Maynard, Uncle Ben Lee of Dunn, Ford, Ford Lee of Newton Grove, J.R. Oliver of Garland, O.B. Jackson of Roseboro, 80-year-old Paul Parker of Clinton, and the eventual winner of uh, this year's contest was Leonard Emanuel of Godwin, going on 88, uh, 68. 
Besides all the signal hollerers, the shy old-timers brought the Carolina to its crowd to its feet with hollering renditions of speckled bread, mommy, shortening bread. You know, they even sing songs. and You know how they sing a song in it? It's just like, you, you, you ever heard those horns that play a tune? Like uh, you hear a horn that goes, boop, 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 boop. Well, hollering will sing a song. Uh, for example, uh, well, a, a, a typical example, you take shortening bread. You've you heard the tune, haven't you? Here's the way a hollerer would do it. Mammy little baby love shortening, shortening. Mammy little baby love shortening bread. Now this, uh, to me, uh, I, I read this thing. Uh, you know, this is a is is kind of a kind of a <laughs> an unsung sport, uh, hollering and yodeling, and uh, various types of sports like that that we very. Have you ever seen a tractor driving contest? Well. Uh, do you know that right now in this country there are guys who are readying their tractors for the great yearly tractor pulls? And they, they, they will spend as much time and often as much money on a great tractor as, say, somebody who's readying a car for the Indianapolis 500 well. Now, that's hard to believe. That means upwards of fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. And they'll, they'll take, yeah, they'll, they'll strip the engine down and they'll, they'll work it all out. And, and a tractor pull is almost like a great horse pull. You know what a ho how horse pulling works. So, you know, the horse will, be, will pull a, a tremendous load over a, over a short distance, and they will measure how long it takes him to, to pull it and uh, how far he pulls it. Well, that's exactly the way a tractor works. And I was at one of the great tractor pulls one time in, in Iowa, and these fantastic tractors come out. Oh, they're, they're magnificent. They're all in the colors. And all the farmers have got their own colors. You know, some guys have bright yellow with, with green vertical stripes. and That's his color. Yeah, you always recognize. He's even got his, his overalls in the same color and his hat and the whole bit. You know, Some of them will come out with, with blood red with, with great uh, blue wings painted on the side. They come roaring out in these fantastic tractors and this huge uh, exhaust sticking out the top. And boy, when they, when they go past, you can feel the ground shaking. And they'll hook them up. To, to this to this load, and the guy'll throw it in the gear, and you see this great load of of concrete move slowly forward. Crowd roars, and then off around in the distance somewhere, you know, in the next arena, <laughs> is a great hollerer at work. any substitute for talent. <laughs> you like that, Hollywood? And so it is. Friends, that's the way it was today in the world of sports. Tonight's salute to Ezra Seastrunk, great Hollywood, Rushville, Indiana, one of the great unsung champions of our time. This was a Rune Arledge production. have the feeling that, that that no matter how much you you live and no matter how much you see that there is just no end to it <laughs> there's just no end to life man it just goes on and on that's what makes it what it is 
No way to be bored in this existence. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the real news. The news in detail on the hour from the WOR newsroom. Where goeth the New York City expense budget? An old-fashioned taxation battle is still on tonight at City Hall, with two sides trying to get more council members to join their ranks to either pass or reject the $9.4 billion compromise budget. 19 is the minimum number of votes to decide one way or the other, and the council is faced with a midnight-tonight legal deadline to take some final action. The heart of the struggle, two increased taxes needed to balance the budget, higher property and water taxes. And Queens, with its many private homes, is obviously very concerned with this. Councilman Matthew Troy, the Queens Democratic County leader, is leading the opposition to the tax hikes, and he claims he has enough votes to reject the budget. Those in favor of the budget also say they have enough votes to pass it. Both sides are trying to gain more than the minimum 19 votes before the full council meets. WR's Bruce Elliott is at City Hall. He reports on another method of passing a city budget, a method that leaves the budget without taxing power. The Board of Estimate is about to vote an open session here at City Hall, about to vote on the budget, which they can do, but they cannot vote taxing. The Board of Estimate was reluctant to interfere with the City Council, but there's still no meeting of the Council, and with a deadline less than an hour away, there still aren't enough votes to pass the budget. The councilmen voting for the budget are now downstairs at City Hall, and those voting against have repaired to the committee room upstairs. I was told this move was made to prevent arm twisters from picking off anti-voters one by one. So, the deadlock continues. This is Bruce Elliott at City Hall. Earlier today, Mayor Lindsay announced he was bringing back to City Hall Stephen Eisenberg to see as his special assistant and chief of staff. Eisenberg had been director of the mayor's aborted presidential campaign in California. The new assignment, at the time of a tight city budget, brought sharp criticism from Council President Sanford Garlick. I think it's particularly disturbing. I think it's clear that the people of New York City cannot be taxed anymore. The policy of spend, 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 and elect, elect, elect is bankrupt. And it's got us into the...